This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. You know, just knowing that I'm, I was able to create that for her. Like she told me she didn't feel awkward or anything. And so that's my goal is to always create that safe space and always keep that open for women. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is D'Artagnan Winford, and it is no secret that I'm a huge fan of his. And in fact, we're currently working out a date for me to go to Mississippi to be photographed by him, and I am just so excited. D'Artagnan has a way of photographing women that is so beautiful and raw, and overall, his photos are just total works of art. And on top of being such an incredible artist, he's really great to chat with, and I loved hearing some of his background when it comes to how he built his business. D'Artagnan also gives us just some details about how he creates his portraits with lighting and how he gets the expression and emotion that he captures in his work. I love this episode so much, and I'm so happy you get to listen in on our talk. Okay, let's start the show with D'Artagnan Winford. Hey, D'Artagnan, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Nikki? I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I've been so excited for your interview. Same here. Same here. I, um, I'm ecstatic to even be here. Thank you all. Yeah, yeah. Okay, real quick. I, I don't know if I shared with shared this with you before when we spoke, but the way that I, I found out about you and started following your work is someone sent me a message on Instagram was like, you have to check this guy out. And so I went to your page and I was scrolling and I was like, holy shit, like this is amazing. <laughs> like I think that's exactly what came out of my mouth. And then, um, yeah, so I started following you. And then I realized too that you are a member of Subrice Education because someone had mentioned you in the group. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's, I'm just really, really honored to have you on. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's a high, high compliment. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and it's funny, too, because I mentioned in the group that I was going to be interviewing you and people have a million questions. So I have to I have to get down to it with your story and figure out, you know, cool. how you became a photographer and all that good stuff. So maybe maybe cool. you could start, you know, let us let people know where you live and and what you did before photography. OK, so um, again, my name is D'Artagnan Winford and I am a portrait photographer living in Brandon, Mississippi, which is right outside of Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson is the capital. 
And um, by day, I'm currently an, uh, a senior art director at an advertising agency. That's pretty much what I've always done before photography. So, Okay. So, I mean, I'm assuming photography is sort of part of being the senior art director. Is that right? It is. Correct. As a part of that job, I do product photography for some of our clients. Okay. So then is that how you discovered, like, your love of photography? I mean... Because like what I see on on your feed is not it's not product. It's like very soulful portraits. <laughs> so I'm wondering no. how this whole thing like happened. <laughs> no. So um, before working at the agency, I used to work. Most of my career was uh, built in higher education. And so I was always mm-hmm. a designer, you know, working for those schools or whatever. I worked for two schools at one of the schools. My first school, we would periodically have to take pictures and None of us knew how to use the camera. Actually, we had the equipment, but we didn't know how to use it. And so uh, we would, you know, periodically get asked to come take pictures of people visiting the campus, dignitaries and whatnot. And so I decided to just take the camera home with me one weekend. And to be honest, even then, I didn't really use it because I was scared I would break it and be responsible for it. So, yeah, yeah, I remember feeling like that, too. Yeah. My husband had a Nikon D80 and I was like, I don't even know. I don't want to pick it up. Like, there's just so many buttons. Exactly. I know that sounds so stupid, but I was like, oh, my God. Exactly. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No problem. <laughs> I can relate. So I would, um, t- to be honest, it pretty much stayed in the bag, like, every time I would bring it home. And, you know, I finally, I would take it out a little bit. And then one year for my birthday, my wife bought me a Canon 60D. And the rest is history. I just kind of began taking pictures of uh, my children and just anybody else that would allow me to church events. And I would go to football games and basketball games and and shoot those. And I kind of I tell people all the time, I kind of cut my teeth shooting sports. I love basketball. And I would just kind of go to the game, the high school games and camp out under under the goal and just shoot. You know, the rest kind of everything just kind of flows in, because to be honest, at at that time, I thought I wanted to be a portrait, I mean, a, uh, a sports photographer. And so I've always been in, in the arts. And so um, I've always been drawn to the face and portraits and, you know, things of that, of that nature. And so I think portrait photography just kind of came natural to me. Like I said, I would shoot my wife and kids and, well, photograph. I would photograph my wife and kids until, <laughs> they, got, until they got tired of me. And I, I just told them, look, I'm going to go find me some more people to shoot, you know, and um, the rest is history. I love what you said about how you would just kind of sit under the net or at the goal or whatever and just shoot, because I feel like that's such good practice mm-hmm. for people like to figure out your shutter speed and your ISO, because yep. it's not like you're choosing your lighting situation. Like you're given what you are given. You can't use flash or, you know. That's exactly what it is. You know, you are, uh, like you say, you're adjusting your shutter speed. And, and, I, and to be honest, I think that kind of practice prepares someone to maybe even be a wedding photographer because you're shooting on the yes. fly. You know, yes. you're trying to capture that in the heat of the moment and you don't have time to fiddle with flashes or anything like that you're just trying to capture a moment you know that's exactly right i was actually thinking that the two the two ways that i I feel like you can really get that practice of just going with the flow and and having to make it work is wedding and sports Mm -hmm. (laughs) correct correct that's exactly what it is (laughs) yeah okay so you had that practice you were thinking Mm -hmm. sports photography and then how did it how did you get to the point where you started sort of playing more with, uh, you know, more creative lighting with your portraits and like, were you shooting at home or did you get a studio right away? So 
once I moved to Jackson, um, it's a more urban, well, moved near Jackson. I look, like I said, I live in Brandon, but Jackson has uh, more urban areas and, you know, nice texture and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, and so I didn't have a studio. And what I would do is I would, you know, go out onto the streets, you know, and shoot. I was a street photographer. I would um, look for faces all around Instagram, Facebook, social media, you know, things like that and contact the model and we would meet up downtown and just shoot and that kind of prepared me for i guess natural light and given light you know mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh i would say about maybe two years ago i uh, ran across another guy who was a street photographer and we we were talking and i asked him if he had a studio because i've always wanted a studio with like natural light coming in and big industrial windows and it just so happened he had that <laughs> but nice. he he did not use it for photography. Uh, he used it for, he's a screen printer. He had one side sectioned off for screen printing and the other side was just wide open. Me being a, a designer, I asked him, you know, could I, you know, use your studio a little bit and maybe barter time by doing some designs for your screen printing? And he was like, sure. And so that led to me just using the studio space in, in exchange for that, my designs. And then he just asked me one day, you, you want to get on the, uh, on the lease? And I was like, sure. So uh, he got his landlord to put me on the lease and the rest is history. And that kind of led into what I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah. And OK, so all you had to do was ask in this situation. I think Correct. sometimes people don't know where to find a studio or how to mm-hmm. find a studio or how to, you know, pay for the whole rent themselves or whatever mm-hmm. and literally all you had to do was ask this that guy. was it that was it he wasn't even using it like for that purpose yeah. you know it was just there and uh the space is beautiful uh well it wasn't at that time i mean it was you know there was paint all over the floor and stuff like that but mm-hmm. the the natural light coming in that thing on a sunday morning is just gorgeous you know yeah. I mean, that's just like for someone out there who's wondering, I don't know how to find a studio or what to do. Like start mm-hmm. asking people, do you yeah. have a space mm-hmm. that maybe might work? Tell us what a little bit about what it looks like. You said it's kind of industrial with big windows. Yeah. So it's in a uh, a big white building. Um, so I describe it to this. I describe it like this to clients. It's in a big white building surrounded by a black fence. And uh, it's called the Midtown Art Center. And so this building houses a lot of other photographers and painters and designers and illustrators but my space is about it's about 600 to 800 square feet okay, it's one yeah. big square uh, and it has one two three four five six it's, it's surrounded by windows it has about six to eight windows all the way around and they're big industrial windows and like i said on a sunday morning actually well every morning you know that light comes in really beautiful in the bay that i shoot in and it's just beautiful, you know. How big is the the bay that you shoot in? Like, do you do you? Is there a certain corner that you love? Yeah, so um, it's not that big either. It's about so I'll tell you, I have two wood panels that, that they're wall panels on the floor, and I'm not, I'm not sure. I think they may be they may be about four feet wide a piece. So it's like maybe eight feet. So the bay I shoot in is probably about eight feet. And then the distance that I, you know, move back and forth in is pretty long. So it's like, let's say eight feet by 22 feet, you know, something like that. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so All right. I just wow. kind of camp out there. Yeah. I mean, I guess my point is, is people really don't need a whole lot of space to create some pretty gorgeous portraits. You but don't. What do you shoot with? with what lens? Because if you go are going in out 22 feet, mm-hmm. I'm curious so, what lens you use. 
So, and I, I don't do the whole width of 22 feet, but I just have that room to move back and forth. But uh, I'm using uh, the Sigma 50 millimeter art, the Sigma 35 millimeter art, the Canon 85 millimeter 1.8. And I use a barter with a, a parent one time for a senior shoot for his son. And he had a 20, I think it was a Canon 20 millimeter. Uh, it's more of a, a environmental lens. And so mm-hmm. I have that, and, and, I, and I use it from time to time also. So those are my, what did I name? Three or four lenses? Those are Ooh, my I four lenses. Oh, I love that you bartered. Yeah, yeah. That's so great. Yeah. I, I think you can use your talent to get a lot of stuff or move your place, mm-hmm. yourself to other places in the world that you want to be in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've never really thought about trading for equipment, although I am I need a new 50 so bad. I just dropped mine for the first, <laughs> like I broke my, I'm so bombed. It's like, oh, I have to go buy wow. a new 50. I know, but I'm like, hmm, what can I do a trade with that doesn't yeah. use a 50? So, <laughs> you have me so, thinking, because I'm like, I don't want to buy another one. I already bought one. Like So so this guy came to me. He wanted me to photograph his son's senior portraits. And I sent him my prices, and he was just honest. He was like, look, you know, I really want you to do it, but I can't afford you. And we were Facebook friends anyway, and I saw some stuff he had listed in the marketplace. And so we he had like that lens, a few paper rolls, backdrop stands and some more stuff. And I was like, I would love to see what that lens looks like. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite photographers is, is Platon. And I love the way uh, he shoots with that super wide lens. And I know he's shooting medium format, but I like the distortion it gives him, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I just told a guy, I was like, Hey, give me that stuff. You know, we'll call it even. And he was like, sure. So he showed up at the studio with all that stuff, all that gear. And, um, you know, we had a wonderful shoot. And the sun turned out to be really handsome. And it just, it helped my portfolio. Yes. Don't you love that? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, you said earlier that you would contact a model when you're doing street photography. Mm-hmm. Now, are these models that you were paying or, you know, how were you building your portfolio at that time? I- no, I. to be honest, I've never paid a model. These were, and I call them models. They, they weren't. Most of the people I work with aren't models per se. They are just nice looking faces, you know, and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guide them and, you know, the poses and things like that. But uh, no, they're not paid models. They're, uh, I'm always on the lookout for faces. And to be honest, I kind of pride myself in being able to say, no, this is a normal person. You know, this is not a train model, you know, this is not a runway right. model or anything like that. And to me, that helps when, you know, a client, you know, has reservations about whether they can look like that. And I let them know, you know, this person wasn't a model. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. Mm-hmm. I, I say that too. I've had people say that before. Like you only photograph beautiful people. You only photograph mm-hmm. models. And granted, I think all my clients are beautiful, of course. Yeah. But one of the reasons I started showing before and afters you know, way back when, I don't show them so much anymore. I've got some on my website, but back when I was still you know, just building a name for myself and whatever. Mm -hmm. That's what I did is I showed them this is this person on an ordinary day when they might go to work or they just, you know, worked out or whatever versus coming in and after their photos. Because like you said, I think people really start to believe that we only Mm. photograph models. They do. Whereas, I mean, looking at your work, a lot of these women truly do look like models. So Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I just we work. I, I tell people um, I, I treat my creative shoots like I do client, client sessions. And that mm-hmm. is we we talk, we vibe, we 
I mean, by the time a session's over, I know a lot about these people and they know a lot about me, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. We, we come out of there with some some good art. You know, we're just talking and shooting, talking and shooting. And, um, you know, I watch I've learned to watch people and watch people when they are natural. And it's usually when I take the camera down from my face that they're at their most natural state. And mm-hmm. sometimes I, mm-hmm. I steal that shot, you know. Well, and, and that's one of the things I was going to ask you is how do you think you get this and and I I'm going to use the word soulful again because that that truly is how it feels. Is how do you get that expression? You know mm-hmm. that just like connection that is just so engaging and just I just love it. How do you do that? That's like I would. The only thing I can say is um, from conversation. You know, we're we're talking. Mm-hmm. There are at times poses that I will you know um, have people do, but at times. I believe that the shot you're looking for is in between the, the two shots that you just taken, you know, and a lot of times I, I, I shoot sometimes uh, on a high speed shutter and I just, again, I just talk to people. We talk, we vibe and some kind of way I'm able to pull that out of them. I don't know if there's a secret sauce for it, you know, or a secret recipe. Uh, and, and to be honest, you have to be willing to make a fool out of yourself also. Cause as a guy, I find yeah. myself doing these really feminine poses, you know, and I, uh, I, I photographed a girl Saturday and I told her, I'm sure there's a reel somewhere of me looking really stupid, showing a woman how to pose, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Oh, I love it. Is this mm-hmm. the, the one you said on Saturday, the woman you photographed, is that the one with the fern where she has the fern kind of like covering yes. her face a little bit? Yes. I yes. saw that. I saw this photo on your Instagram this morning, and I, mm-hmm. I stopped, and I was like, I commented on it, like so beautiful. <laughs> and Thank I was you. wondering, like, is that one of those moments where she just happened to put that in front of her face, or did you direct her to do that? And if so you don't I, follow D'Artagnan yet, he's D'Artagnan Portrait on Instagram, so you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. So I did direct her to put that in front of her face, but there's another shot, and I'm going to post it where she's resting. And that fern is kind of in her, it's in the same hand, but it's, it's, it's going to the side and it, it looks, it looks really serene. And I haven't posted mm-hmm. that yet, but that's, those are the shots that I'm talking about there, the in-betweens, because I think I was fidgeting with my camera and she just kind of took it down and she was kind of resting. And I looked, I was like, oh, stay just like that. And mm-hmm. usually that's the shot. And the clients usually like, stay like what? I'm like, just don't move, you know, because yeah, yeah. I see it, you know. And that's mm-hmm. usually it. So I'll post that probably next. That's my more reveal shot. So you actually see who she is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it almost, it feels like your clients are very comfortable with you and, and mm-hmm. hearing what you say. And, and I'm gauging this literally just by looking at your portraits, but if, listening to what you're saying, it sounds like you're working really hard to build a, a connection and a level of trust. And, and I think that that is so important. I am um, from the door. I mean, I mean, from the initial conversation, you know, it's all about it's all about trust. You know, I, I tell people all the time I don't advertise a lot. And, and even though I can, like I am skilled enough to design my own ads and all that kind of stuff. But I don't advertise a lot. And so most of my clients come to me by word of mouth. And as a male photographer, photographing mostly females, I would say about 90 percent of my clients are females. I think it's important that they trust you. You know, mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. of the um, reviews I got, I've gotten back have just been wonderful. Uh, I photographed uh, one lady. It was her. I photographed her. She had she'd had breast cancer and she was in remission and she wanted to, you know, wanted to document that. And so 
after her session, her session was wonderful. I mean, we just talked, man. We talked and talked and talked. And usually in the studio is, is me and that client or maybe one other person if they bring someone. But she and I talked and talked. And when that session was over, probably I would say that next day, I got uh, an inbox from her. And she told me that I finally figured it out. And I was like, what? And she was like, and I'm, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing what she said, but she basically, one thing she did say was, uh, you create a safe space for women, mm-hmm. for women to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife that meant a lot, you know, just knowing yes. that I'm, I was able to create that for her. Like she told me she didn't feel awkward or anything. And so that's my goal is to always create that safe space and always keep that open for women. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And it, it kind of gave me the chills a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've ha- we have a lot of guys who are members of SBE and, and mm-hmm. they'll say, like, how do I not be creepy? And, yeah, and I yeah. know this might sound stupid, but it's like, don't be creepy. <laughs> don't be creepy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all you have to do is exactly. don't. Be- no, but but yeah. hearing what you're saying, you know, I think so much of it, it is. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that just connection and trust building and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. I, yeah. I want to shift a little bit and tell me a- about your lighting because I think your lighting also seems to, you know, really add to this. It's like again that soulfulness, mm-hmm. that just mm-hmm. depth of your photos. So, are you using any artificial light? On most of my stuff, I don't. And to be honest, most of most of my I would say most of my IG is natural light. But what I will do is I'll bounce that light. I'll put up the polystyrene boards on the opposite side of the window and I will move that board in and out depending on how I want that light to look. And every now and then I will put up a uh, a reflector or sometimes I will take my, what is it, five part or seven part reflector, the one that zips off. And take yes, these. like has the silver, the gold, the white. Uh-huh, exactly. Yep, so yep. I'll I'll unzip it and take the part with the, um what do you call it, the scrim inside it. And mm-hmm, sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes I put that in the window and it just softens that light. And and I've yeah. shot in that space enlo- enough to know when that light is going to change, you know, and I can tell you pretty much by looking at a picture, what time of day it was when I took that. Because if you look at some of the ones where the light is kind of showing you the shadow of the window, that's around two o'clock and that light starts to look like that. But some, but the other pictures where my background is clean and everything looks good that's morning light and it's just it's beautiful you know so i try to schedule yeah. all my shoots around 11 in the morning and you know just go from there yeah now tell me about your your whole process with your clients like do okay. you do, do you do hair and makeup do they do they their own you know do they get multiple outfits like how does that work so it, it varies um they can do as many outfits as they like Hair and makeup, most of them come ready, you know, with hair and makeup already. And then there's some who, you know, ask for a makeup artist. There's some who ask for a hairstylist. I uh, photographed a lady, what's that, last weekend, and she brought her hairstylist. And she she was wonderful. Like, I loved having her there the whole shoot because she was able to, I think we got maybe four or five different hairstyles out of that one shoot. You know, wow. she was just, yeah, she would just pin it up. She would fluff it out. She would you know, do different things, you know, and, um, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And then, so, okay. So you just kind of go with it, like mm-hmm. whatever they mm-hmm. want to do. And yes. now I think a lot of people are afraid of that. Like, what if they bring 20, like I, I can hear people, I can just hear it. What if they bring 20 photos? <laughs> what if they want to shoot for eight hours? Like, you know, how do you rein that in? 
Well, so let me let me back that up. So I my sessions are timed. They are about two to three hour sessions. So whatever we can get in that amount of time is what we do. But to be honest, sometimes I will, you know, when a client walks in with their clothing, you know, we'll look at the, those clothing. And we choose what works best, you know, and I'm thinking back to a, a client I shot recently. She showed me what she wanted to bring. And I told her, look, bring all of those pieces and we'll decide once we get to the studio. And so once we got to the studio, based on the way each piece looked on her, I was like, okay, let's, let's go with this. Let's go with that. You know, let's put this off to the side. And it just kind of worked. Mm-hmm. And so I've never had anybody that wanted to do more than three looks, you know, uh, maybe four, I would say four, but for the most part, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I, okay. So let's talk a little bit about pricing because I know mm-hmm. at the beginning you said you weren't so much charging to build your portfolio, which I didn't either. Mm-hmm. So I can completely mm-hmm. relate to that, but how is it now for you in terms of pricing? So pricing now, um, I finally adopted the IPS, IPS style of pricing. Uh, and I'll mm-hmm. be honest, for the longest, I wasn't doing that. I was, I think I fell into the boat that most people fall in where you, you're scared people aren't going to buy it, you know? And mm-hmm. until you find those clients who, and I, and I tell people, every time you move your pricing, you're going to lose clients, but you're going to gain more and you're going to work right. less, you know? Yep. And so what I found myself doing was I started out, I think, at like 125 or something, 150 or something like that for my first one look session or something like that. And to be honest, I I would always regret that when I was at home late night editing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Totally. You know, I went on, I raised those prices gradually. And every time I would see, every time I would raise them, I would see clients fall off, but I would also see new clients come in. And I've gotten to the point now where... I have people who contact me and to be honest, there's still a little fear in that, but just like this morning, a guy contacted me and he was like, he he wanted some promotional photos for, he's a, he's a musician. And, uh, he asked me what I charged and I asked him what was his budget. And he said, look, man, I'll pay you whatever you ask. And, you know, it's those clients that, um, make it worthwhile. And and you say, wow, yeah, like, you know, finally I'm at that point to where people respect my work enough that they will say, hey, look, I'm going to pay you what you ask. And I, I, to be honest, I don't think it's the people. I think it's us as the artists. Sometimes we don't respect our work enough, you know. Right, um, right. So my session fee is like four, it's $400. I have three packages. I have my first package, which is eight, eight by tens matted. And of course, you get the uh, company digital files with those. And that starts mm-hmm. at $1,800. From there, my second package is eight, I'm sorry, it's 15 eight by tens matted in a folio box with the accompanying USB files. And that is $2,300. And my third package is 25 eight by tens matted in a folio box with the accompanying USB for 3,100. Good for you. Yeah. In my head, I'm adding up like, how much am I going to have to spend to go to Mississippi? And get... <laughs> you think I'm joking. Wait till we're done and I we talk about dates. No, that's so great. That's so Thank great. You. I'm so glad. And and real quick, you said IPS. Just for people out there who, mm-hmm. who maybe are, are newer and listening, like what's IPS? That's in-person sales. So I just want to make Correct. sure people knew that. But so I, that's so awesome. And what you said about sometimes people don't 
really value their own work yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Isn't that the truth? And once it you is. can, and once you do, and and I hate to say this because it really shouldn't come down to this, but sometimes it does come down to that external feedback. Like you said, when this guy's like, oh, I'll pay you anything you want. It's like, okay, all right, this is good. You know, I knew I, it took me that. I needed that external sort of, I don't know if that's just my love language is, is words of affirmation. So I'm sure oh. that had a lot I, to do with I it. Know. But. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, to be honest, even before I got here, I remember a former client of mine, well, a, a, a previous client of mine brought her sister's family to me and they wanted a family session. And she asked what I charge. And to be honest, I didn't even have prices for family sessions. And I think I told her at the time it was like 500 and some dollars. And they were like, okay. And they just paid it. And I was like, Okay, I was sweating giving them that price. And, <laughs> right. You know, they paid it with nothing. And so much so when they got ready to leave, the husband was like, he wanted to be a business partner. I guess he was like, look, man, you know, uh, I, I can help you get your prices up, you know. And so yeah. you you see that other people value what you do. And I think sometimes as artists, we just fall into that. We take for granted what we do. And we think, because mm-hmm. we do it, so it comes so easy to us, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and we just take it for granted. But other people see it. Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. So so what do people typically purchase? Like what's your, you know, are you usually selling your middle package, your smaller yeah. package? It's mostly my middle package. I've sold a few uh, of the larger packages, but it's mostly the middle package. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even that, you know, I look at that and know I can raise those prices too, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. hopefully going in, into the new year, I will do that. Yeah. And then you said by day you're a designer. So are you still mm-hmm. doing designing part-time and then or full-time and then doing this or how how are you juggling all of that? Yeah, so yes, I'm still a full-time art director. To be honest, my shoot days are usually just Sunday, Sunday mornings for photography. So I have basically 4 days out of a month that you can catch me, you know. Mm-hmm. And every mm-hmm. now and then I will shoot after work, but I try to save that time as fa- for family time, you know, yeah, with my, my yeah. wife and kids. Mostly I tell people, you know, Sunday morning from 11 until, you know. Yeah. You're, you're a really good example of you don't have to, and, and I'm not sure we haven't talked about your goals yet and, mm-hmm. and what your goals are in the end, but I think sometimes people get the idea that in order to be a full-time photographer and charge like industry standard prices, they have to do it full-time mm-hmm. and you don't, you can still no. have industry standard prices like you do. And you know, make some good money mm-hmm. doing something that you love and still have your job. I agree. I mean, with these prices, I'm able to make more than I would do if, you know, if I was still, you know, charging the 125 and, you know, basically shooting a, at least 10 people to try to get to that point, you know? Right. And so that's 10 sets of edits I have to put out, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about this because I think there are a lot of people out there who have that sort of feeling of, I can't quit my job until I have so many clients coming in the door and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. But man, if you can just make sure your portfolio is super strong and get your prices up there, you don't need to have 20 shoots a month. You know, you could have two or three and and all you have to find then are two or four people a month who are willing to pay your prices, who value what you do and who really want you to be their photographer and you're good to go. That's true. Yeah. I agree. I really like that. What is your goal, actually? And, and if you don't want to share, you don't have to. But I'm curious what your what your goals are with photography. That's a good question, um, and that's a question I'm not sure if I know yet. You know, I I don't know if I want to be a full time photographer. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and because it's so new to me, 
I love it. I really enjoy it. And photography came about for me as a means to get away from design, you know, mm-hmm. um, so much. But I, I really, I, I, it's a love. I really love it. And it's more of a, um, it's really therapeutic to me. You know, as a kid, when I would get stressed, I would go play bas- basketball. I am 43 now and I don't get a chance to play basketball as much. So now when I get inside my photography studio, it's like once I cross the thresholds of the door, all the cares and worries kind of go away from me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's very therapeutic to me. And, um, you know, I, you know what, now that I think about it, I do, I would say a goal of mine is to, I just want to, I want to be, um, I just want to be the best I can at delivering art. I'll put it like that or, or creating art, you know, uh, like when I am dead and gone, I want my kids to be able to look back at my work and say, Hey, my dad did that. Like he was a craftsman. Yeah. like, he created that, you know, be able to leave something behind something they can be proud of, you know? Um, and that's part of the reason why I shoot such a diverse group of people. I don't shoot all black people. You know, I, I try to, I want everyone to see themselves in my work and that, that's that that is you know color size race gender whatever and i just want to be able to touch lives with my gift my gift yeah. i didn't even know i had so i mean i i can tell you your kids i'm sh- certainly will be proud thank you thank I, you i mean how old are your kids right now my kids are 15 12 and 7 oh wow yeah you have your hands full I do. I do. <laughs> Mostly with We're the seven-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. The young one. I feel yes. like everyone's always like, are you guys going to have another one? And mm-hmm. I'm like, no. No. Mm-mm. I've got two. I'm good. <laughs> I hear the third one. Get- no. Yes. If I wasn't 40, 40 when I started, well, mm-hmm. I had my first at 39 and okay. second at 41. If I'm 43. We're the same age. Okay. If I hadn't started so old, I probably mm-hmm. would have a third. But anyway. No. Oh, that's so it. great. That's so great. So, okay. So do you ever, you said you you photograph your kids and, mm-hmm. you know, your family or whatever. Do you ever bring your kids into your studio and just play around that way to practice with light? So I have not. Um, my seven-year-old um, asks me all the time. Matter of fact, she asked me yesterday when I was leaving out, like, daddy, when are you going to photograph me? And so, yeah. My goal is to over the Thanksgiving break give her a nice, really dress, a not really nice, pretty dress, and uh, get her in the studio and photograph her. You know, like yeah, she yeah. she really wants that, and so I'm gonna make that happen for her. Oh, that's so awesome! I don't see any yeah. kids on your Instagram, so that's why I was just curious. Not that you have to put you know yeah. your own kids. People keep their family personal, you know, whatever. But I, I'm, have you ever photographed kids? Like, did you ever go through that phase? Oh, wait, there is a child on here, actually. Yeah, so that was... Oh, again. that was the boy that... Oh, this is mm-hmm. the one with the mom of the photo mm-hmm. that I love. That's right. Before, so right after sports, I thought I wanted to be a, uh, a kid photographer, you know. And so, you know, people would contact me to photograph kids. And, you know, I, I, I did it uh, because I had experienced experience photographing my own. But I think I got to a point to where I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, I think to me, to be honest, that that part of the industry was really saturated. I don't know. I don't think that would be as fulfilling to me as what I do mm-hmm. now, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. the conversations I come out of the studio with now and, you know, just the yeah. people yeah. able to, yeah. to touch and stuff like that. So I think what I'm doing now for me is more fulfilling. I think it's more fulfilling for my clients also. Well, and that seems to be such a good way to focus on not burning out, mm-hmm. not taking shoots that you don't want, 
you know, truly, that's, that's a big question sometimes that people ask is like, well, how do you decide what to turn down as far as work goes? And if it doesn't feel fulfilling, then, okay, do, you know, what does feel f- fulfilling yeah. to you? And, and we think, always say, if you need to feed the family, of course, take the take the job, mm-hmm. take whatever shoot. Mm-hmm. But if you are if you are able to pick and choose, like you you know, you don't have to take all these shoots all the time. Yeah, what is it that truly fulfills you? And I love that you're able to to figure that out. It's um yeah, it took me a long time to figure out what. Yeah. <laughs> I went through the whole <laughs> gamut of the weddings. And did uh-huh. you ever shoot weddings? I think I've shot I've shot two weddings. I photographed two weddings. And weddings aren't my cup of tea. Um, a friend of mine loves weddings and that's all he does. And mm-hmm. I remember I second shot a wedding for him and we left home maybe around nine that morning. And I got home at probably 12 that night. And I was like, never again. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. <laughs> it is not what I want to do. And, and to be honest, I turn down probably about three to four weddings a month now. I think people think that this style translate into translates into that, and I don't think mm-hmm. it. I don't think it does. What I will tell brides though is, I would love to shoot your bridal portraits. You know. Yes. And, uh, yes. I've been hired a few times to do that. It's just strictly bridal portraits. You know. I remember this one lady. She rented out this really nice. We have a really nice bread and breakfast here, and each room is themed. And she rented out the French room, and uh, we shot her bridal portraits in there, and they turned out beautiful. And uh, so that that's that's as much of the wedding stuff I, that I want to do. Uh, and I get yeah. I get asked about it a lot, but I don't. It's not my cup of tea. That's really smart to do it that way. Like, okay, well, well, I don't, you know, tell them what you can do for them. Mm-hmm. So what I can do for you is your boudoir or mm-hmm. your bridal portrait or whatever, instead of just turning them down altogether. Yep. I love that. Exactly. So yep. Now, you had mentioned before when we had chatted before that you photograph a lot of nurses. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? That's a good question, Nikki, because I don't know. Uh, they is, I mean, women book me. And, you know, in the conversation that we're having in the studio, you know, when I get I get asked them, you know, hey, what do you do? What's your profession? It turns out most of them are nurses. And the interesting thing is most of them don't know each other, you know, and really, yeah, they don't know each other. But some reason, I think they they work so much, you know, they are always caring for others. And I think sometimes they just say, look, I'm going to put some in for me, for myself, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this shoot for myself. And so they end up booking and the running joke is, you know, if I ever get sick in the studio, at least I know I'll be okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. If I go down, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. yeah. And, and I love that with, with nurses or whatever. I think, I think sometimes people get it in their heads like, Oh, you know, if someone, okay. And I'm going to totally call myself out here. When you said mm-hmm. a musician contacted you i if a musician contacted me i would feel nervous like oh my gosh they're probably i don't know if they're going to want to spend what i am charging what if they Mm -hmm. can't afford me like in my head i'm thinking oh you know musicians are usually like starving artists like but who am i to decide who can afford what like sue had a server who wanted to book her and um she ended up spending like $3,500 and you wouldn't traditionally think that a server would spend the money you know and i think nurse nurses are definitely underpaid or whatever but i just i love that i love that you have you know such a great profession of women coming in to feel beautiful because let's face it nurses don't always feel beautiful on a day-to-day basis when they're you know in the midst of it i've come to the conclusion that you you shouldn't count other people's pockets because the person you think wouldn't spend that is the one that would 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes people like that waitress, you know, sometimes people save up for what they want. You know, you, you look at it and I think, I think Sue may have said this and she may not, but I live by this. You know, there are people who believe that a Honda will do for them and get them where they wanted to go. And then there are people who believe that a Maserati would do the same, you know, and they right. will spend on what they want. Yep. You're absolutely right. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what it comes down to. And and I hate when people say like, oh, I'm, I'm going to qualify my clients first. And it's like, yeah. whoa, yeah. you have yeah. no idea you don't. what this person you don't. Yeah. This is probably way off track, but mm-hmm. there was this this book that I read, and it was a, it was called The Millionaire Next Door, and mm-hmm. they were studying millionaires, and they wanted to know the traits of these people and how you know they got to be where they are, where they are, whatever. So they started in affluent, really affluent neighborhoods, and they weren't mm-hmm. finding the millionaires in the affluent neighborhoods because they weren't millionaires, mm-hmm. and it was the just typical you know middle and working class neighborhoods where they were finding the actual net millionaire people yes. and and that and and that's the thing too like you can't decide for someone else how much money they have based on what they do or how they look or you know it's oh, um you cannot it's so important i mean because you don't yeah. you, you don't know their story you know um mm-hmm. for all you know they may be <laughs> they may be a millionaire but they're working this job that you think is mean meaningless right now you know or you know yeah. and, and it's yeah. just that that job is they may be a, a greeter at walmart but in reality that job is just to get them out of the house you know because they're bored <laughs> you <Right>. know <laughs> so, true so you, good you point never know. good point yeah. okay so this leads me kind of into the marketing discussion mm-hmm. with you then okay. it is like okay so you know if the nurses aren't all at the same hospital and they're mm-hmm. not referring and you're not doing a whole lot of ads like mm-hmm. how do you get people to notice you is it through social media is it you know how how are these clients yeah. finding you so what i notice is um i get different clientels from instagram versus facebook you know facebook mm-hmm. is where i get my older clients um instagram is where i get my pretty much my younger clients you know and i think within that i, I think within both of those groups are people who um are willing to spend that type of money on on their image you know i don't advertise i, I ran probably one facebook ad and I, I don't think it brought me anything and i said i was going to do more of that this year but i have not done any advertising but for the most part it's my posts and so i'll say this i photograph there, there are a few people that i do creative work with like once a year and when i do that i notice my sales go up my inquiries go up you know um, i have I have a good friend who I photograph once a year and every time I photograph him, women contact me and they want their husbands to be photographed like that. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, guys don't usually book photo shoots. It's usually the wife or the girlfriend that does and and, and vice versa uh, with women. Most of my portfolio is women anyway. So women naturally see my work and hopefully they see themselves in it. You know, that's why they book. But I've learned with guys, like when you shoot, when you capture a guy a certain way, women were more likely to book a session for their husband or their boyfriend, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's I, I kind of let the work speak for me. And that's, I guess that's my, my answer to that. You know, I don't advertise. I just, I let the work speak, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really smart thinking about like, if you're posting, if most of your followers are female, let's say, mm-hmm. and you're posting photos of men, then mm-hmm. that makes the women think about their spouse mm-hmm. or boyfriend or whatever. And that, yeah, I never really thought about it like that yeah. before don't get me wrong i have a few men um i have one professor 
he's a PhD. He doesn't look like the, the average professor, but he comes to me every year for his birthday. And uh, he's always been stylish. He keeps himself fit. His sessions like really do it for me. Like, you know, I benefit off his sessions as well as he does, you know, as him benefiting off yeah. of them because people see him and they're like, wow, like I want something like that. And so I'm right. not afraid to, I think our last session, we took it outside. We, uh, we started inside and then there's a nice walkway bridge not far from the studio. So we took it outside and, you know, just got a whole different look, made him look like a superstar. Yeah, I, this is cool because I, I think a lot of times people think about doing like, oh, buy, you know, this photo shoot for your mom for Mother's Day or whatever. I don't think people ever really think about gifting photo shoots to men. And so yeah. I guess for people out there listening, if you want to photograph more men, maybe this is a really good sort of campaign. Like, does your okay. husband have photos he loves or does your boyfriend have photos he feels proud of or your dad or your brother or like this could be a really good Father's Day campaign or, you know, even just, I mean, everyone needs some sort of photo, whether it's professional or personal. I like this. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, this this gives, this is this is good. This gives, I'm sure, hopefully gives some people some ideas if they want to get more men in their portfolio. I love photographing men. I mean, I prefer to photograph women. I shouldn't say that. I, I, I you know, I don't, I don't mind either, but. Men are just so much, I don't know, they're, they're, I hate to use the word easier, but if I want to have an easy day, it's more <laughs> like yeah. having a man in the studio. <laughs> so, so for me, photographing men, um, I pretty much say to myself, how do I want to look? You know, mm, like, mm-hmm. like, um, and, you know, I never over-process, over, over-process the skin of a man, you know, like I, yeah, I, I keep him raw and, you know, gritty and. Uh, you know, I just photograph him how I, I would want to look. And, um, yeah. you know, to me, it's, as a guy, it's easier photographing a man, you know, because um, we're we're talking guy stuff or whatever. And, you know, um, you know, I come up with these ideas. Hey, man, do this, do that, you know. And, yeah. you know, they do and they see it. And, you know, most people, you know, once you let them see one image on the back of the camera, they kind of loosen up and they're like, okay, okay, like I trust you now. Like, you mm-hmm. know, let's see what else you got, you know. And... You know, the rest is pretty much history. Yeah, that's a good point about the retouching part, too. That's kind of what I, when I say I want an easier day, there's mm-hmm. so much less retouching involved, which is so great. There is. There is. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously there's pros and cons and just, you know, different parts of photographing a man and a woman and couples and families and babies. And, you know, each one has its own exciting and fun part and stressful part (laughs) yeah i agree i agree yeah well i just absolutely love your work thank you i'm excited to see where you go from here like if you end up you know staying as your current full-time job and Mm -hmm. just shooting on sundays or if you end up branching out more into gosh i'd I'd love to see you as like an educator yeah and i think and just teaching people i mean you're so good at it. Like I I think that's the um I think that's the, tra- the trajectory that I'm headed towards. I'm getting a lot lot more inquiries into speaking on how I do things and you know why and I guess the the reasoning and things like that. Uh, matter of fact, I got a request the other night. Uh, I think that was a Saturday night about that same thing. And so, um I've been asked and you know, I can see myself out I guess on the conference circuit 
doing talks and, and things of that nature. And also I've been asked to, you know, come to different cities and shoot and stuff like that. So I can see myself. Sweet. Yeah, I can see myself being a, um, a travel photographer at some point, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely you've definitely got something that's really special for Thank sure. You. So, yeah, like I said, I'm honored that you came on and just shared a little bit of, of your story with us and Thank you. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a couple more questions though sure. before we end. Okay. And these are the questions that I always ask at the end of each episode. Okay. Um okay, the first one is what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? I can't live without. Um I mean, besides my camera, um, <laughs> I would say for the style of photography I do, I would say my reflector, cheap, yeah, yeah cheap reflector yeah. is your best friend. It's my my best friend, you know. I mean, very versatile, doesn't cost much, you know. It breaks you by another one, but mm-hmm. I would say reflector. Yeah, that's my answer too. For sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, number two. How do you spend your time when you aren't working? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, um, so I like documentaries. I like pod- I love podcasts. Um, but even with both of those, I'm usually listening to or watching one of those while I'm re- editing, you know, photos. But other than that, I would say when I'm not working, I'm with my family. You know, uh, we are going somewhere out and about at a park or just just doing something with them, you know, just to get away from it all. Yeah. That sounds nice, especially right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? Um, I'm not even sure if this is a quote, but more of a phrase. Just pay it forward. Just, you know, turn a good deed. Um, Just, you know, do the right thing. I guess all those kind of play into the yeah. you know, same mantra. But um, absolutely. Yeah. Just always try to do the right thing by people. You know, I'll say this. When I was in college, I, to be honest, I didn't think I would graduate. And it was because I was just, I was such a horrible math student. And mm-hmm. I remember taking college algebra maybe twice. And yeah, so exactly. <laughs> and so on the, on the third time, I think it was, I got this teacher named Orion Kathy. And Orion Kathy, on the first day of class, told us this story about being a diehard. And... He, he 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 described it as a person who stays until the end. And he also told us another story about helping people. He tells us, he, like, he went to the University of Texas, and he was just always brilliant in math. And so in his class was this uh, girl who was not good in math, and he ended up tutoring her. And he helped her to pass that class. And when he graduated, he didn't know this while he was helping her even afterward. But she told her dad about him. And her dad just happened to be an exec at Texas Instruments. And he gave him his first job. And oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And his lesson from that was, you know, help everybody you can because you never know who you're helping. You know, I mean, you help mm-hmm. them because you, you should. But, you know, sometimes that turns out even better for you, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And so in that same breath, uh, going back to his diehard statement, we get down to the final uh, test of that class and you know we're taking a test and to be honest I'm looking at these numbers and they're running together and I'm like man I don't know I, I'm i not going to pass this test you know and so he says um, 
you know, if you want to come back Monday and finish the test, you can. And so most of the class got up and left. And he waited a few minutes and he said it again. And another section of the class got up and left. He said it again. This time, nobody got up and left. I'm thinking to myself, look, if I leave and come back Monday, I'm going to still know the same stuff. Like, this. I'm not going to know any more than I do now. <laughs> I may as well just get it done now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so he makes that announcement one more time and nobody leaves. And then he says, okay, let's work these on the board. And we all worked those problems and helped each other out oh on the board. Gosh. And he goes back and he says, you remember what I told you on the first day of class about being a diehard? Always stay to the end. Always see it through. And wow. yeah, that lesson, that's ingrained in me and uh, forever grateful for him because had it not been for him, I wouldn't have graduated college. That was that. Was that. So I would say always uh, pay it forward, turn a good deed, do the right thing. Those are my phrases. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I hope he listens to this. <laughs> well, he he passed. He passed some years ago. But Aww. when um, when he passed, I remember seeing it on Facebook and all I could think about. And I told that story on, on my Facebook page like is him and how his life lessons like helped me, you know, and mm -hmm. and that story, because to me, that's 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 beautiful. You know, absolutely. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. Wow. Yeah, thank you. That's important. Powerful. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Okay. So number four, what would you say to people who are just getting started? I would say um, it's it's wonderful to watch YouTube videos and learn, you know, how to use your camera and, you know, little tips here and there. But to be honest, there's nothing like doing yourself, like get in there, food with those controls, take some pictures, come back and look at them and just learn from your own mistakes. And I would say practice, 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 you know, practice prepares you for the big game. And the big game is that client that you don't know when they're coming. You know, you may mm -hmm. be presented with a client, a, a, um, a corporate law firm one day. But if you don't have that practice in and you don't have those prices already set, you can miss that opportunity. Because yeah. opportunity, yeah. opportunity is not going to knock before it comes, but you have to be ready. So, um, you know, I started off with my Sunday morning sessions and I still do those, you know, whether I have a client or not, I'm still in that studio. I'm practicing, I'm practicing, I'm practicing, you know, and I'm um, just waiting for that client or that big game. Yeah. I love that. That's such great advice. Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. Hey, where can people find you online? So you can find me, uh, I would tell you to follow me on Instagram. It's D'Artagnan Portrait. It's D-A-R-T-A-G. N-A-N portrait, P-O-R-T-R-A-I-T. Uh, follow me there. That's where I post most of my stuff. I have a Facebook page, but to be honest, I don't post a lot there. It's, it doesn't get a lot of um, impressions or a lot of reactions, you know, but my mm -hmm. Instagram page is where most people see me. And I think it's just a good medium for portfolio showcasing. So, and my yeah. website, so it's D'Artagnan W. That's what it is. It's D-A-R-T. A-G-N-A-N-W.com. Okay, perfect. Yay, awesome. Well, thank you again, D'Artagnan. And thank you. I, yeah, I'm like, we'll chat after this about me booking a shoot. Okay. <laughs> Come on to Mississippi. Awesome. We'll trade for some Michigan gear. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, I can give you all the Michigan gear. No. Oh, I love it. All right. Thank you again. You take care. Thank you for having me, Nikki. You too. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. 
Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35 and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love. And there are posing downloads, lighting downloads. I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and eight frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX 100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.